episode 148. You don't have to do it all. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educator's podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, hey, elite educators, it's Gretchen here of Always a Lesson. I'm still loving you're coming back for more and more episodes. You're holding tight to that elite status every moment you spend time perfecting your craft. We all know podcasts are a great professional development tool, so I'm honored that you value this show enough to learn with me every week. And speaking of, I've learned another lesson, so I can't wait to share it with you. This podcast episode is especially for new teachers as we talk about how to be a great teacher without having to do it all. And yes, that is possible. So let's reignite your passion and potential. Are you ready? Here we go. I often get asked for advice for new teachers and I always have something new to say, but my advice recently is about how to gain control and sanity and respect without having to do it all in the classroom. And you might be thinking that I'm just crazy by saying you can be great at what you do without having to do much, but it's true and probably not in the way that you're thinking. So let's dive into what I mean. When I started teaching, I put on a show. Like, I mean, it was probably overkill because I was trying to just control everything. And in doing so, I probably had zero control. (laughs) Actually, looking back, I know I did well. My principal at the time always commented, you know, I can't believe you're a first year teacher. But remember, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I have been preparing to be a teacher since I was a kid. So I had read so many books, gathered so many tips. So I was probably overly armed to take on my class. And maybe that was my pitfall. But I also have a type A personality. So I definitely had things running a particular way and required that daily. And that meant I unfortunately wasn't, you know, this fun, relaxed, telling jokes kind of teacher. More drill sergeant y <laughs> I mean, who wants to be that? nobody. I mean, not even me. But I thought it was literally the only way I could, you know, make my kids know that I was boss and I meant business. And plus, my colleagues would see me as this mature adult and not just, you know, a recent college graduate. And I felt like I had so much to prove and overcome that I lost my way trying to do it all. But just landing the job meant I was qualified, I was capable, and and I should have given up the show that I was trying to put on because the show sucked. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you what I wish I told my younger self, and that is this. Just stop. (laughs) Stop. Strong leaders in the classroom are not the ones on stage or running a tight ship or having that serious vibe. You know, I would have been shocked if I heard that back then, and I probably would have argued back. But it's true, and I've told you in other episodes, you know, the smartest person in the room is usually the quietest because they don't have to prove that they're smart by talking and showing off. And the same is true about a teacher. They don't have to prove that they're in control by over-managing students. That's what I was doing. So if you're like me, pull back. And not only are you going to become happier and your kids too, but your classroom is going to start running more smoothly and authentically. Okay, so you're like, awesome, sign me up, totally on board, but how do I do this? Well, you know I never leave you hanging. I like to give you some actionable tips you can apply in your classroom right now. So let's dig into the good stuff. Here are six tips to get better without having to do it all. Here we go. Tip number one, keep it simple but consistent. So the most successfully run classrooms do not have a laundry list of rules. 
And I remember I put up a rules poster my first few years. I used every line on that poster for a rule. I I don't know, maybe there were like 10 rules or something. And I can't say I got around to enforcing those rules because it was too many. I mean, they were good rules and well thought out. And, you know, kids couldn't remember them. I surely couldn't remember them. So really, what good was it? So step one, just minimize the rules. Decide the most important ones for building a classroom culture but also a safe environment for learning. That's it. You can always add on to your rules, but it's just harder to take them away once you've established. The key to this tip, though, is consistency. So since you have simpler rules, it shouldn't be hard to enforce them on a consistent basis. And if you don't enforce them, kids aren't going to employ them. So you better be sure it's the rules that you really want and then hold them to it. Tip number two. It's all about procedures. So to have a well-run classroom without you having to be guiding traffic or cracking the whip at every turn, you have to know what you want students to do every second at every turn for everything. So take some time at home and decide what transitions or routines or procedures your students are going to complete on a daily basis. And that should be, you know, a handful that you use over and over. Don't think I'm crazy, but I want you to script the ideal procedure. Because if you don't, you're not going to know visually what it looks like or how it sounds or any potential hiccups. I used to actually walk my procedures and routines and transitions after school before I would teach them to the students. And I always found errors in my thinking, you know, spaces where I wanted them to walk were too tight or materials they had to gather. It was too much, um, whatever the issue was. But so by thinking it through, you start fine tuning it before you teach it to the kids. And then it's time to roll it out to them and teach the reason for the procedure and model what it looks like. And kids love to act. So let them get up and practice. You know, maybe if it's really lengthy, you can teach it in small parts Kind of like Simon says, you know, you show a part, then they shadow, then you add on, and they continue. So once kids know the routine, you've got to keep practicing, praising them, giving feedback, holding them accountable, because just because you taught it once does not mean that they know it and can do it without your guidance. Remember, the goal is not to handhold, but you got to get it right from the start. Tip number three. Delegate simple roles to students. So the best part of not having to do it all is give things away. You know, why are you taking attendance? Students can do that. Part of my kiddos' morning work was to go to the smart board, find their picture, and swipe it from the absent column to the present column. And then when I had to go quick input attendance on the computer, I just glanced up at the board, could easily tell who was absent, and boom, it was done. Or like passing papers. Why are you doing that? What a waste of time. You are a brilliant educator. So keep tasks that require your brilliance for yourself and delegate other tasks to the kids. I mean, not only does it free you up to work with kids one-on-one or small groups, but it teaches kids responsibility and ownership. So it's a total win-win. So what I suggest you do is just make a list of all the tasks that you do daily in the classroom and start farming them out to your most responsible students. You really don't have to give incentives or rewards just yet because the opportunity to help in most kids' minds is just the reward enough. And don't go passing out like 20 plus jobs. Just start small, watch them do it how you want it done, and then add jobs as needed. Tip number four, pass the learning baton. So just like you pass the ownership of classroom tasks, you'll want to do the same when it comes time for instruction. And this takes a bit of time and finesse and would be more of like a long-term goal But hey, since we're revamping, we might as well hone in here too, right? I talked so much when I started teaching, like pretty much the whole time. I don't know why. It wasn't about me. I passed the third grade, so I don't know why I needed to pass it again. 
But kids got to be doing the thinking, the doing, the talking. So turn yourself off. And how can you help students learn by taking a step back? Maybe that means they get to explore instead of you telling them what and how to do something. Or maybe they tune into a quick video and then they're working together to complete the activity and you're pulling small groups uh, or working one-on-one on a similar skill. Or maybe you're passing out question prompts for students to ask each other about a chapter that they read for homework and It helps guide your discussion. So think of ways where you can get them to do more. And I know it's going to take more time from your lesson. And I know we're already stretched for time, but I promise it's so worth it. And when they start being more active in the learning process, the content starts to stick and they perk up an interest and motivation and you get to be free to help individual students you know, rather than putting on your glorious dog and pony show. So start small and simple and build up over time. You might even want to ask a colleague for ideas too. If you see that they get out of the way of their students during learning, you maybe go observe them. That would really help you visualize how this could look in your classroom. Tip number five. Prioritize teacher proficiency standards. So look back at your teacher evaluation rubric. You're probably scoring in the lower quadrants because you're just starting out and that's to be expected. But look at the next column for what you need to do to achieve the next level. And when you know what those things are, prioritize the list. You know, what's going to have the biggest impact? Which should you focus on first and next and after that? Maybe you want to sit with your mentor and brainstorm this list, but either way, you want to know what you need to change without being overwhelmed by thinking you have to change everything. So by prioritizing your own growth, it's going to help you not do it all because it's not about being able to do 1 million things. It's about doing a few things well. So get good at those few things and then you can add on to it. And before you know it, you'll make it look easy and you can do it all without feeling like you got to do it all. Tip number six, reflect and adjust. So the best and easiest part of this whole thing is flexibility. And as you're going through all these changes, continue to reflect and adjust until you find your flow. It's just one big problem solving puzzle. And each year you've got new kids, you'll have to do it all over again, but you'll have more confidence and skills under your belt. So actually it gets easier year after year. So it's just that simple. Follow those six easy tips. You'll start seeing a change in yourself and your students, your entire classroom vibe. I mean, hopefully others will take notice and you can share your secrets with them too. It's really not too late in the year to give this a go. So just wrap your head around what you need to do and go do it. You know, perfection is not the goal, just improvement. And that means trying your best every day. You got this. Go transform yourself, your students, and your classroom. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on gaining control, sanity, and respect without having to do it all. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details. (laughs) 